Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's up, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. Man, do we have a good show for you today. We have a mother-son combo on the pod today. Sally and Nathan Clarkson talking about their book they wrote together entitled Different. Nathan is on the autism spectrum. He is a great kid. He lives in New York City, great artist, and they have a very interesting relationship, and they write about it in their book, and they have so much wisdom to share for all parents and especially parents who either have special needs kids or who know families with special needs kids. This is a great program. Also, today's podcast is sponsored by Trinova. That's right, the all-purpose cleaner with the white tea and thyme scent. Ooh, I cleaned our induction cooktop stove just the other night with it. And usually, you know, stuff spills on there and then it burns and it stains and you wait a long time and it looks super gross and you try to clean it with regular cleaner and it doesn't work and you got to break up the polish and a rag and you got to work forever. I'm telling you, it was almost spotless with just this all-purpose cleaner. Who knew it could be plant-based and safe around your kids and pets? Trinova is at Amazon.com slash Trinova, T-R-I-N-O-V-A, code word REBELPOD, gets you 20% off everything they sell. That's including the car wash, the foam cannon, the leather cleaner, uh, stainless steel polish, and what we love so much, the all-purpose cleaner and the dish soap. Great deal there for you. All right, Rebels, let's jump into a program with a mother-son combo, Sally and Nathan Clarkson, on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Nathan and Sally, thank you for being on the broadcast today. Uh, we have a very unique situation at Rebel Parenting where we have so many guests that choose to be vulnerable about their stories. And it is just blessed Laura and I and so many of our listeners. And my Sally and Nathan, for the two of you as mother and son to come on to talk about a subject that can be awkward or vulnerable or all the things we appreciate the two of you so much for writing and for speaking about this. It's just well, an honor to be with us. you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. We're just, um, I just want to jump right in and just ask, Sally, when, give us a little background of your story. Like, why did you write different? What, give us, just give us some background. Well, actually, it was Nathan's idea. Um, I have uh, two and a half out-of-the-box kids, uh, one of them is kind of in and out of the box. Oh, I love that but, so much. Um, out of the box kids. Thank you. It's such a positive term. It's not this, <laughs> well, I have a child with a disability. You're like, oh, thanks so much. Out of the box kids. It's a new rebel parenting phrase. All right. There you go. And sometimes we even call them mysterious kids. But um, I think that uh, I we have a kind of a public life. And so I am always very careful to allow my kids to... Mm-hmm give their stories when they want to, or if they want to. And uh, Nathan, you want to tell how this book came about? Because it really was Nathan coming to me and saying, Mom, I think we should help a lot of other parents who have gone through the journey that we have, and we came out alive, and we love each other, and things are great. So (laughs) kind of give your part of the story on that, Nate. Yeah, absolutely. I I am the different kid. This is something I felt since I was uh, as early as I can remember. You know, I, I would be the kid 
while everyone else was walking on the sidewalk, I would have to climb the rails and <laughs> jump on things. When everyone else could sit still in class, I would be fidgeting mm-hmm. and asking questions. When everyone else could be good, I was a kid who was consistently getting in trouble. So I can remember from a very early age feeling very different and separated from the rest of the quote-unquote normal kids mm-hmm. in the normal world. And oftentimes that made me feel very alone and very separated. And as someone who loves to connect with people, um, that was a really hard thing for a kid, a growing kid to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I grew and I started to come into myself and I realized that some of these differences are really strengths and really beautiful things about me and the way God had designed me, um, I really decided that I, uh, I wanted to write my story as a, a story of hope for any kids out there mm-hmm. who felt different, who felt alone, who felt ostracized or alienated because of these things that make them different. So I really just want to share my story to give people hope Mm -hmm. that their differences can be beautiful, but their differences can play a part in the story that God has for them to tell. Um, So I approached mom one day and said, mom, I think we should write a book together um, from the different perspectives of what it's like to be a different kid and the struggles Mm -hmm. that come with that. And what it's like to love a different kid and the struggles that come with that. And she was on board and that's kind of how the book was birthed. Oh, it's fantastic. I love that you did that. Nate, I want to go back a little bit, though. Um, I'm super ADHD. Uh, just nice. Yeah. <laughs> my dad so called we. me. Yeah, my dad called me Tigger growing up because of the song, the bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. I just didn't have the ability to not move. I can remember that in a classroom. And I'm talking, you know, I was born in 1970. So I'm not going to throw too many teachers under the bus. And luckily, I have a bad memory, so I don't know their names. But I had a teacher (laughs) in the first or second grade that masking taped me to my chair. That she. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, and here's the crazy thing. We say that today, and I agree with it today. Back then, that really, I mean, you could get paddled in a classroom. So being taped to your chair didn't seem like that big of a deal, except. I can remember the day and I can remember thinking, oh no, I know what she wants. She desperately wants me to sit in my chair and I desperately want to sit in my chair, but I know no matter if you tape me or not, my body is going to stand up without me wanting it to. There's nothing I can do about it. And it happened. I can remember being embarrassed. I can remember standing up, the chair was stuck to my hiney and everybody laughed and I made a joke out of it and I did a funny dance with the chair. But that's what it's like. What's it like to be a kid thinking, I want to do good. I don't want to disobey. I'm sick of hearing, you know, well, if Ryan would just sit still, if he would just apply himself, he'd just pay attention, pay attention. You know, yeah, and I, yeah, I think absolutely. I, I like it, Nate, because I really realized in writing this book that I was that child only in a time when no one knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom said I was the child who, when my brothers got guns and holsters, I tackled them. I was much younger; I was three years old, and um, you know, practically ripped them off their body because somebody had given me a doll. And um, I remember my whole life, uh, and I love my mom and dad a lot, but I remember I always felt too much, too much for people, too much for anything uh, that I did. And I I had lots of friends, and I was spunky. But in writing this book with Nathan, I realized that I had kind of had to learn how to control as much as I could so that I could be acceptable. Mm. And I didn't want that for my kids. I wanted them 
to live fully into the people that God created them to be. Of course, we trained character, we taught them to love, but I wanted them to feel as though God had made them clearly with their great personality, maybe to yeah. fill a great cause. Mm-hmm. If they were too loud, maybe it was because they were going to be speakers or actors or whatever. But I, I do remember the same feelings that you had, that um, I was always, uh, I did quite well in school, but I always got C in deportment. Deportment was, oh, yeah. oh. she talks too much, she gets yeah. out of her chair. She. <laughs> so I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I actually was suspended for four days in junior high for talking too much in class. So. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Which for me now, now I get, paid, I get great. paid to do it. Yeah, it's my job. <laughs> Sally, let me ask you a question. Um, we live in an age and a culture where everyone's a snowflake, everyone is a yep. unicorn, uh, uh, every yeah. kid is unique and special in their own way. And while I agree with that, mm-hmm. we are over and miss diagnosing kids all the time. You know, oh, oh my yeah. kid has OCD. Oh, yeah. He's totally OCD about video games. Boy, when he gets on it, he just can't stop. Mm-hmm. As a mom, because you've made choices around your kids that are out of the box. And obviously I totally agree with that. But at what point did you get a clinical diagnosis so you really do honestly know what you're dealing with so that it's not this, oh yeah, my child's a snowflake just like every child's a snowflake, that you really do. There's some issues that you have with OCD, ADHD that complicate Uh life. How do you talk to parents now about making sure you really do know what's going on with your kid? It's not just that armchair psychologist. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question because I really feel like uh, when Nathan was 15, we were sitting in a room and he, somebody was diagnosing how his brain fired in many places when ours normally would just fire in one place. But uh, she made him stay in his room, uh, you know, and she took me out of the room and she said, what did you do to this child? And I thought, oh, no, what do you mean? And, I, and she said, well, he sat still the whole time we were talking, and mm. he has a big vocabulary, and he engaged, and he was, you know, he really honored me as a person. And I, I looked at her funny. I thought, I have no idea what she's talking about, but I said, I have four kids, and I needed them to learn how to be in our presence together in a way that I could make all of them go forward. And so... I said, I I just trained and taught and inspired Nathan to learn basic basic character traits that Mm -hmm. helped him to become as strong as he could possibly be. And uh, she said, well, if you could ever bottle that and sell it to schools, you'd make a million dollars. And I I realized at that point that even though uh, Nathan was bigger than life out of the box, uh, that I always had this internal uh, sense that I wanted to prepare my children to be able to go in the world and be as strong as they could be, mm. strong as they were capable of. And I think sometimes people are overdiagnosing or misdiagnosing their children because they're not attending to them. You know, I think that when a, a child has your attention, they're fed, they get a chance to sleep because uh, they're not overstimulated. They, uh, they're, they're having you work with them and love them on a regular basis, then there would probably be a lot of people who, ha- who would have a less feeling that their children needed a diagnosis because uh, I think that when a child really has some of these mysterious areas, it is very obvious because it really is very different than a child who is capable of sitting still for a while or adding two plus two. Mm. And so I don't know if that helps or not, but I do feel mm-hmm. like a lot of people are over-diagnosing their children because 
they haven't attended to their basic needs, and they haven't helped their children learn basic self-control little by little. Mm. Mm. So, so for you, Nathan, what was most helpful for you as growing up still on that vein? Like, as your mom was caring for you and loving you, what was most helpful? Yeah, I think, like I said, I think oftentimes being a different kid can make you feel really alone. So what was most helpful for me was when I had these feelings of being separated from the world was knowing that I had a place that I was accepted and allowed to be myself and that I had an ally. Um, and that was my family. And that was my mom. Uh, because, you know, out in the world during high school, I was being bullied and out in the world in class, mm-hmm. I was getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, and with other friends, I couldn't sit still and all these different things. But when I would go home, uh, tired of being different, tired of being quote unquote bad. Yeah. Um, I had someone who said, no, you were made this way. This is, these can be good things. Uh, you have good in you. These will be a part of your story. You are accepted for who you are. Um, so what was really important and helped me was having a place, uh, a home that facilitated, uh, grace, understanding mm. and relationships that were based on unconditional love, no matter who I was or how I was created to be. I was talking to a friend recently and I've been trying to hone it and think about it more of, and I like what you've done with this. So much of, and it, it's much more for me with Lincoln than Lucy, because Lincoln's my son and I relate to him more, but I was always trying to see myself in him. You know, sometimes you look at kids and you're like, wow, I know whose kid that is. They look just like their dad. Well, (laughs) neither of my kids look just like me. And I skateboarded. I did all these things that I kept looking for in Lincoln. And recently I realized that's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure to, you know, I've been skateboarding now for 42 years. It's hard for a 10 year old you know, to be like, yeah, I'm gonna get excited about this thing that you're so much better than me at every time we do it. And I'm now just trying to see who he is. Who is he? What does he wanna do? What does he like? And maybe it's not something that I like, but he needs to be him. The world doesn't need another Ryan Dobson, but they definitely need a Lincoln Dobson. So I'm just, I'm trying to work through that process as a parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's actually, I'll just touch on that real quick. I think that's a great point is that you don't have to understand everything about your kid to love them. And I think that mom, you showed me that a lot is that Mm -hmm. a lot of times you had no idea what I was talking about or what I was trying to explain, but that wasn't as important to understand what I was saying as it was to hear what I was saying, listen to me and love me regardless of who I was, even if you didn't always understand or fully grasp it. Well, and I think too, our ministry is totally based on heart Uh, over 800 times in scripture. God talks about the heart And I realized that for me to reach my children in any way to inspire them or to train them, I had to look inside and say, what motivates them? What causes them to tick? What do they love? And and then begin to approach them in their heart and, and give them the love of God, the patterning to them the touch of God, the words of God, the uh, inspiration mm. of God in, in the sense of their faith. And then just in life, to say, uh, I used to say to Nathan, I said, Nathan, you know the story of the wild stallion? I mm. said, he did not win the race until he learned to accept the reins. And mm. mommy is going to show you little by little how you can use all of your power um, for the race God has given you if you can learn to accept the reins uh, that will help you to produce uh, your strength in a better way. 
And um, I have two introverts, very introverted, two extroverts. My children are all different on Myers-Briggs scale. But it was a kind of a challenge for me to say, I want to unearth your strengths. I want to unearth uh, what you were made to do. Mm. And I want to then send you into the world with a confidence that what God calls you to do, you're going to be able to accomplish and to, to let you be a person who can take risks and step out in faith and, and live out of the box because each of you is somebody who has a special call in your life. So I was going for the heart, and I, I learned in doing that that I had to put away the voices of culture mm-hmm. oh, and the yeah. voices wow. of peer pressure and the voices of, well, your child needs every lesson, every this and that. You know, this is the formula that's going to work for your child. Mm. And formulas didn't work for my children. Each of them responded to a different sort of love and training. Oh, that's just a breath of fresh air. I know for me as a mom and I know for other moms listening, Sally, we just thank you for that. That, Yeah, sometimes I want to follow the formula because it makes it easier. I, You know, I can master my laptop it's very hard to master loving my children well it's you know so yeah i think that what i've realized especially with young moms i just got through at the conference this weekend and um i think that sometimes people just want to make their lives easier yeah and they yeah. want they want to control yep. if i can just control these children then i will get my time and i don't think control is a worthy goal because you're always going to be disappointed and yeah. every day is going to be different than you thought it would be yep that was definitely my struggle nate um i want to ask you around and this has got it, it maybe it's an ongoing process but when did you start to accept yourself for who you are when did you start to look at the things that culture will call a disability and they'll go, oh, that's weird, you know, and, and things that is are insensitive. When did you start looking at that going, nope, I've got something here. And were there things that helped that? You know, there are a lot of kids out there that struggle and it's, I can remember being uber, uber ADD and I would take certain meds and it would change me. And I would just think, why can't I be this way on my own? Why do I have to take yeah. this? Why can't I be like everyone else? I have a different attitude about it today, but what was the turning point for you? You know, I wish I could point to one time in my life where I went, oh, now I really love who I am and accept everything about myself. But I think You mean you can't me make it easy for us? <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. I wish I could, and I wish there was that time. Yeah. But for me, it's been little by little, year by year, learning to accept these aspects of who I am, how God has made me uh, as positive things in my life. And even today at 27 years old, I'm still finding these things I'm frustrated with myself and I'm going, why can't I just be like this? Why can't I be normal? And it's still an everyday walking Mm -hmm. with God learning process uh, that he's showing me uh, how he reveals himself in my differences. Um, but yeah, I would say, but if there was a turning point, if there was maybe a, a light bulb moment, it would have been probably in the hardest time I was dealing with these differences, which was right before high school. Um, I was dealing with a lot of bullying. I was dealing with a lot of, um, I, I hesitate to say self-loathing, but I was really frustrated at who I was and my inability mm-hmm. to be quote unquote good. Mm. Um, and I started getting into Superman. Uh, which is uh, pretty cliche uh, for a teenage boy, but I started loving su- uh, superheroes, and I because I've always loved stories because I think stories are powerful and they always connected to me and um, inspired me. And I watched this old uh, a video of Superman, and it's 
this young Superman trying to deal with his powers as a teenager and he, and he's getting frustrated with them and he wish he didn't have them because mm. they make him different and they make him, uh, stand out and he, mm. and he wishes he could just get rid of them and be normal. But I, obviously if you continue the story, you find that these powers are the things that enable him to tell the story that he does enable him to save the world and be a hero. And something clicked in my mind and said, Oh, maybe all these different things about me that right now I'm really struggling with. Maybe those things, are going to ultimately be the reasons uh, and the ways that God told the story with me he couldn't tell with anyone else. Maybe those will be the conduit to me telling um, a great story. And so uh, kind of as I began to connect the stories more uh, and really in, invest in this mindset that um, God has created me in a particular way and that these things that are hard for me aren't necessarily bad things but can be parts of a good story, that's when I kind of started saying, oh, okay, I do like who I am. I like how I was made. Um, and these things will play a part in the story I was made to tell. I like that. I want mm. parents to hear that, that it's not that you figured it out. It's just that there is some sort of a light at the end of the tunnel that we are all created unique, that the Lord wants to use us in a unique way. And the way he created us is how we're gonna fulfill that and we can keep looking towards it. And I'm sure there are times where it's frustrating. I'm sure you know, you're know you looking at that going from junior high to high school and maybe it was years before you figured out, oh, this is one of those ways I can tell my story in a unique way. But Absolutely. having something- I'm still that, discovering it now at 27. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and trust me, you're definitely discovering it because I was watching your videos this morning and bawling. <laughs> You are touching a nerve. It's so great. It's so great to touch that nerve because I was watching a comedy special over the weekend from uh, Neil Brennan and it's super blue. It is definitely not safe for work. And I I say that with a huge warning. It's a great, it's a great, I really enjoyed it. Uh, He talks about clinical depression in a way that you go, oh, and your OCD one did it. It's like, just be normal. Just don't do that. Just stop washing your hands. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, so I'm gonna stop breathing too and I'll stop thinking and I'll, you know. It, people don't understand the ability isn't there. I've, I've seen it in different stories. There's a great story called Peace Like a River by Leif Anger and there's a kid with a breathing I've problem. And Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh, like my goodness. <laughs> but those things, it, it you know, that and and I know Sally, you talk about this where, you know, you're like, oh yeah, you know, my kid's OCD, and and a mom's like, oh my kid is too, and you're like, no, your kid isn't. Your kid's just picky yeah. about what he eats. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, and by, you know, equating the two, you've belittled my life. And maybe that's something parents can also do when they're around a kid with autism or OCD or severe ADD or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to relate by comparison. Oh, I think Absolutely. so, and I, I think that uh, it was very hard for me, and probably it still is for women, because when you have, I, I want to call them mysterious or different child at this moment, no child is the same, and no child's quirks are the same. As a matter of fact, we're all pretty quirky. But um, I think that my friends, uh, loving friends, good friends, but they kind of wanted to diminish my problems. They didn't ever want me to use the, the word, oh my goodness, mental illness because, you know, that's just an uncomfortable word. Surely your children aren't mentally ill. And um, they they just wanted to say, oh, you're having a hard day, or he's having a hard day, or he's just a teenager. Yeah. And that was really lonely for me because mm-hmm. yeah. I thought, is it me? Right. You know, is it the parenting style I'm yeah. doing? 
And I well, think of course that, you think uh, that because it couldn't yeah, be any, when they say those things, it couldn't be anything else but you. We had somebody write in and they literally get those phrases all the time. Oh, well, maybe maybe they're just having a hard day. And you're like, oh, you don't get it. Stop. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I really feel like that isn't helpful. And I want to say to moms, don't trust every person who tests your children. You know better about your child than mm. anyone else does. And study your child. But um, I remember I was praying one day and I thought, I'm pretty sure you chose the wrong mom for this, God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, and I've been so nice to you. Why would you do this to me? Um, You know, I had all sorts of very spiritual thoughts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, And normal ones. Yeah. And it was as though the Lord said, look, this is going to be a very long journey. And this is, you are the mom I chose. This is the child I chose. And I want you to let me carry him. Don't you try to carry him. Don't you try to perform. You love him. And uh, and I think that I tried to, uh, while Nathan and my other kids were growing up, I tried to diminish as many places in their lives that they had to go where people didn't understand and would mm. criticize them so that they could be in as many places as they could where they could thrive. Flourish. And um, yeah, that's wonderful. we chose uh, to homeschool Nathan, uh, to home educate him. And yet we also put our kids in lots of classes and we had them doing a lot of things. But uh, I noticed that Nathan was a great storyteller and he was a great performer. So we, we gave him magic tricks and he did magic for birthday parties. And he, he juggled fire and swords and uh, <laughs> yes. you know, at our conferences. And, and he was a great uh, actor from the time he was a little boy. And he loved stories. So instead, of, I would just sit and read him stories for hours because I believed he was very intelligent. He obviously was. Mm-hmm. And um, so when he was 12 years old, he wrote this 40-page story not probably not very many of the words would have been spelled correctly. There would have been, been no punctuation, <laughs> um, but it was a great story. So I wrote it down instead of having mm-hmm. him write it down. Yeah. And I tried to really focus on what are the things that he is naturally good at that will become uh, the man he will you know live to be someday. And how can I not care about the performance that other people are so neurotic about? Mm. Yeah. Because I could see great assets in each of my children, and I didn't want them to feel like they had to be measured by simply a test score or some teacher's evaluation. I wanted them to learn how to how to be in culture and, and fight their way through and, and be strong, but I wanted them to have plenty of places where they could also mm. feel like exactly who they were mm. was exactly who they were supposed to be. To love the child I have, not to love, not to wait to love him until he was what I wished he had been. Yeah. Well, and ha- had you put pressure on me to be good at something I just wasn't created to be good at, I would probably still feel inadequate mm. as an yeah. adult. But instead, you chose to build into the strengths you saw as a young man. And you said, what is he good at? What is he made for? And you encouraged me in those. And that's why I'm able to live a life that I love and that I can actually be successful at. Oh, Nathan, thank you for saying that so much. And I know Laura totally got tears in her eyes. You guys are awesome. Here's what I want to say to the moms out there, because one thing we know in Rebel Parenting, the loudest voice in a mom's head is the one that says you're not doing a good enough job. So... If you have tried in the past, I know there's so many moms that are like, oh no, I've done that for so many years. It's okay, just stop. 
Just yeah, exactly. now that we've learned a new way, let's look for those strengths. Let's encourage those strengths. Last night, Laura's been encouraging me. I just went into Lincoln and I was like, hey, and he goes, what? And I said, I think you're amazing. And he goes, okay, hey, on Castle Crushers, and he started talking about video games, and Laura goes, Lincoln, did you hear what daddy just said? And you know, me, I'm like, it's okay, it's okay, don't, don't draw attention, you know, but they have to know it because the world isn't yeah. telling your kids they're amazing. The world's not telling them they're gonna mm-hmm. change the world. The world isn't telling them any of those things. The only person yeah. that is is gonna be you. Yeah, yeah and it, oh, and so it needs to be, uh, you know, we need to find ways that they can do legitimate um, positive things so that they don't feel like we're just, uh, you know, you're talking about the snowflake culture earlier. Uh, I, I think I needed to find ways for Nathan to feel his muscle Mm. things he could really do so that it wasn't just flattery. It was, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm amazed at Nathan all the time. He is really brilliant. He comes up with these amazing ideas and books and mm-hmm. movies, and, and he's one of the funnest people for me to collaborate with. And yet um, we both need to pay accountants to do our bills. <laughs> In other words, you know, you don't have to be good at everything, but you do need to build forward and mm. speak forward into who your children might become. And I, I know that there are probably moms out here listening, like you said, thinking that they are all failing. All of us fail. And I think that living with a burden of guilt on your back or in your mind every day is just not productive. Um, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Uh, you know, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject to a yoke of slavery. Mm-hmm. I just decided to that God loved me as I was, that... I would give him my fish and loaves and have him do the rest. You know, mm-hmm. I, I can't make, I can't feed 5,000, but here, I'll give you what I have and make that enough for all my kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that our kids need a happy mom as much as possible in the sense of seeing that we're not worried. We are not biting our nails. We are going to say, this is the day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I, I just feel like I want to take the burden off of all these women's backs because we've all failed we all yell at our kids. Uh, then we ask forgiveness. And, <laughs> yeah. um, but to delight in life and to enjoy it and to not live by guilt, it just crushes you. Yeah, my mentor always talks about we need to be big receivers, receiver of God's forgiveness, not the uh, just to accept who he's made us to be. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, so we are out of time for this broadcast. Can we have you guys stick around just for a little bit longer for some more questions? Sure. Sure. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to close down for today. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go to iTunes, look for Rebel Parenting or SoundCloud on Rebel Parenting because part two is going to be amazing. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, Rebels. We appreciate you. We have a great thanks out to Sally and Nathan Clarkson. How great to have a mom and a son be so vulnerable and honest about their life and about their relationship and help all of us out. Man, I appreciate them. Also, thanks to the voice of the martyrs helping those being persecuted for more than 50 years around the world. Persecution.com. You can donate there. You can send resource packs to those that are being persecuted in countries hostile to our gospel. They send out resources, Bibles, aid. We appreciate the voice of the martyrs. God bless, Rebels. We will see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. 
Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.